time he's forgiven me.
service this morning. We're going to open the service in a, a word of prayer. I'm going to ask our brother Parks, brother Michael, if he could come and open the service in a word of prayer. Uh, we want to remember uh, the Harwells are uh, not with us this uh, this morning. Um, we want to continue to remember um, the drums. Uh, they're uh, streaming, uh, but we want to continue to remember them. It's good to see our brother David uh, here with us again. Uh, I ask you to uh, remember the Paschals, continue to remember them in prayer. Uh, and I just ask you to remember my wife in prayer this morning. She's uh, sick, um, so if you could remember her in prayer. If you have an unspoken prayer request, just made it known by an uplifted hand. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning, Lord, for your wonderful blessing on our lives. Lord, truly, we can cast every care at your feet. Lord, whatever our need, all these requests that are mentioned here this morning, Lord, 
financial needs, physical needs, emotional needs. Lord, people looking for answers to the questions of their lives. Those who are traveling, Lord, you are a great protector. For those who are sick, you are a great healer. Lord, you're the anchor of our soul, and we love you so much. Lord, we thank you for all the promises of your word, for, Lord, we know that whatever our need, your word is enough. Thank you this morning, Lord. What a privilege it is to be here, to gather in your presence. Lord, we come with expectant hearts. We lift our cups up to the fountain of life and ask that you'd fill us to overflowing this morning. Bless the word as it comes forth. Bless Brother Barry as he brings it, Lord. I just pray the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart would be acceptable to you this morning. We ask it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing uh, one more song before we're seated. Uh, let's sing that song, um, My Chains Are Gone. Amazing grace. Aren't you thankful your chains are gone? Amen. Uh, when you look at the world and uh, you interact every day like we all do with people that don't know him, more and more as time goes on, you see people that are bound with chains. Amen. Chains of anxiety, chains of pain, chains of regret. And I'm thankful this morning my chains are gone. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Well, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy reigns amending love it's amazing grace yeah, can we? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
Sister Faye, can you guys come and sing for us? Is that okay? Do you mind coming up and singing? It's good to have uh, Brother uh, Wayne and uh, Sister Faye here this morning. God bless you. Our other visitors that are here, we hope that uh, you feel welcome. God bless you. It's nice to have you here with us.
soft splendor God wrote his love on a hillside so long, long ago. There for you and for me, Jesus died and loves greatest. sing uh, I love you Lord and then after we sing that brother Jason Ashdown is going to come and sing for us Sorry. I love you Lord for your mercy never fails me and all my that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God 
Amen. Oh, in all my life you have been so With every breath that I am able Will I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night You are closer like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that i am able will i will sing of the goodness of god one more time All my life you have been faithful Oh, and all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Yes, I will sing of the trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you. (laughs) 
I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you. You've been so
Jason. Let's stand. We're going to ask our ushers to come at this time. Take up the uh, tithes and offering as we get ready to change the order of the service. Brother Jeff, if you could ask the blessing on the offering. Amen. As uh, Brother Barry gets ready to come, let's sing that song, um, Something Keeps Holding Me. You know, I, I was mentioning earlier uh, chains and being let go, and I'm glad, though, that on the other side, he's holding me. Amen? Because uh, we definitely can't do it on our own. Amen? Every time I do it anyway, on my own, I make a big mess of it. So I'm thankful that something keeps holding me. Amen. The trial of this world was getting closer. Well, the pull I felt was more than I could bear. And I was on the verge of giving over yes the strength within myself just wasn't there oh something keeps holding me well every day I see he's helping me faith my trials and guiding me constantly will give me victory he's a reality something keeps holding me now say Faithfully to overcome. 
Yes, he's a reality Something keeps holding me Now Satan laid before me His temptation And then his desire To steal away my high faith Aren't you thankful for this? But I have found in time the revelation is the strength I need to keep me in His grace Oh, something keeps holding Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to gather in your house, Lord, with your people. And Lord, we lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, Lord, and, and just want to give praise to your wonderful name and your presence among us. Father, we just reserve this time and this place for you now. Come, I pray, in the volume of the book and reveal yourself and speak to us, Lord. Pass by our place, Lord, and may we touch the hem of your garment and receive from you today. Lord, we are all a very needy people, and we, we depend upon you so much, Lord. So I just pray that you would have free course among us, Lord, that you could move and sovereignly speak, Lord, and interpret your word and make it real. You're the one, Lord, who's given the word, and you're the one who quickens the word. And we're depending on that, Lord Jesus. Forgive us of anything that may hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, may you have complete freedom among us to say, Lord, what you, uh, what you want to say. Lord, I have notes, I have thoughts, oh God, and things you've burdened my heart with. But Lord Jesus, this is your service, and these are the people you died for. And so I want you to come, Lord, and just take complete control. And I'll step back and let you have, have complete authority, Lord, and freedom to say what you would have to say today. We give this time to you, Lord, and may you just delight in the praises of your people this morning. We'll give you honor and glory and thanksgiving in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all the good people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. God bless you.
Well, we certainly want to welcome all of you here this morning as singing uh, gave away the fact that you were excited about being here in church, and uh, we just appreciate that uh, this morning. It is so good to see you sisters here this morning. Sister Clark, Sister Serber, and Sister Burroughs, uh, God bless you. It's, it's just great to, to see you. It's been a while, and uh, we're honored to have you today. We are honored to have the coffees with us today, always honored to have the coffees with us, and uh, they're special folks. Brother Wayne is the person who invited me to this church and uh, opened the door for me to come and to be here, and that's special, and we appreciate that very much. We'll let you musicians take your places. That'll be just fine this morning, but uh, Sister Faye always enjoyed the singing, and uh, may God bless you this morning. Good to have you here. Uh, good to have the Britons here again. We missed you, and... Uh, we, you come once or twice and we start missing you, so uh, we are just glad to have you with us today. Uh, it is uh, great to have Micah uh, here with us today, and uh, God bless him, and Sister Caroline, just everybody, the Pritchards, I'm going to leave out some folks here, but let me tell you, you are all, you are all welcome. You're all glad, all, always good to see you all. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to just give you an update on Sister Mary Smith. And as most of you probably know by now, Sister Mary uh, is in a uh, hospital in Concord. Uh, she has had a series of falls, probably about a dozen falls, over the last little while. Her left side was uh, compromised, and uh, she was pretty banged up from all of the falls that she had. But uh, they, they were uh, concerned about this, obviously. And then finally, Brother Smith, after the last fall, Brother Smith took her uh, into the emergency room, and they began to diagnose some things. Uh, They're looking for some things they were uh, detecting. And uh, then she had a seizure uh, while she was there in the hospital with them, and uh, right in front of the nurse. So then they, that helped them to narrow down what was going on. And so they moved her to Concord in order to do the electroencephalogram uh, where they're analyzing the waves in her head and brain and so forth. So if you don't mind, just uh, remember her in prayer. I went down yesterday, spent some time with her in the hospital, uh, prayed with her, and she told me when I was leaving, uh, she said, because I said to her, you look like you still have something you want to tell me. And she said, Brother Barry, just tell the people I really miss coming to church and tell them, uh, Richard and I both really uh, miss seeing the people. And I said, I'll, I'll sure tell them that. And I said, we'll pray for you today especially and uh, just trust that the Lord will undertake for her. Appreciate Brother Andy helping out. They went to the Lincolnton Hospital first uh, on Friday and then uh, moved over to Concord. And uh, so they really appreciate um, you know, the communication that you folks have with them. And uh, she's 83 years old now and Brother Smith is 81 years old. And uh, they, they sure do uh, miss being here for sure. So we'd ask you to remember them uh, in prayer today. Also, too, we didn't get uh, time to mention this morning before Ben came out, but the Godwin kids are not well today and uh, certainly miss them. <clears throat> April 17th is Sawyer's birthday, right? Happy birthday. How old are you going to be on your birthday? 14, really? Wonderful. I was going to say, you don't look a day over 13. Sister Shirley Buchanan's birthday as well. Uh, Sister Shirley, back there. God bless you, Sister Shirley. Uh, great to have you with us. April 21st is John Cockman's birthday, and then April 23rd is Sean's birthday, right? How old are you going to be, Sean? Really? 
Appreciate uh, Brother Sean, appreciate the Ashdowns being here, enjoyed the special this morning, and uh, may God bless all of you. Just wanted to say that uh, the, the, uh, the folks that have been affected so much by the cyclone uh, are still uh, very much in need over there in Malawi, and uh, by God's grace, we've been able to channel funds to them and still doing that. Uh, there are a number of other churches that are involved in helping to get supplies to the people, and so we're still in the process of doing that. Uh, part of this, uh, the sandy area that you see here uh, was, was part of the wash from the cyclone. It just washed this village uh, part of it away. And uh, these believers were gathered back in church. Some of them are still living in the refugee camp set up by the government, which is a very dangerous place for them to live without any law and police and security there. Uh, but they gathered back in the church and Brother Precious came to them uh, this is in a particular valley, and uh, they, he came to them and brought supplies. And you can see they have, uh, we've reprinted uh, pictures, the picture of Christ and uh, Brother Bram's pictures, and they have books and Bibles and so forth. So many of the people lost everything. They lost their Bibles, they lost their books, they lost everything they had. And uh, they, uh, they were so happy to receive some of this material back again so that they could have uh, their own books and Bibles again. So uh, that was a real blessing for them. But this, this is an ongoing process now. And uh, when, when some of them come back to their villages and some of them come back to their places, uh, they, they literally have nothing to rebuild with. And uh, to be able to at least provide them with this material is good. We, we're giving them food and different uh, supplies that they need. But to have the spiritual supplies is, is a great blessing for them. <clears throat> we're going to read the scripture. If you don't mind, I'll have you stand again just, just for a moment here. And we're going to look in two places in the scripture. First John chapter 2, we'll read there this morning. First John, the second chapter. We're going to read two places here today. They're both very familiar to us. But I just cannot shake what God has laid in my heart uh, for today. Uh, I just, this has just been such a burden to me and just pressing. So I just, uh, I just trust that you will work with me today and follow me as best you can. And I probably will not uh, complete this, but we'll just see what God does here this morning. How many of you have an expectation that God's going to speak to you? That, that could, there really could be not much greater happen in your life than, than the Lord himself, who I believe is present, to speak to you today out of his word. That would be so wonderful. Love not the world, verse 15. Neither the things that are in the world. This is not the lakes and streams and mountains. This is the world order. This is the cosmos he's talking about, the systems of this world, the culture of this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. And the world passeth away, and the lusts thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. John chapter 4. There is perhaps no other 
Bible story, Brother Branham told more often than this one. So I want to just take a little passage here this morning. John 4, just for a text this morning. And we'll begin at verse 20, if you don't mind. The woman at the well says to Jesus, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. We say this, but you say this. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. And ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is. This is the way it's always been. But now is the time, he said, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. May God add his blessing, and you may be seated this morning. God has given us a great message, as you know. Jeremy, just turn me up, just up here at least, just a shade. God has given us a great message, a great light, great truth, and and that's that's self-evident. We're here this morning because we believe that. We're here this morning because we have enjoyed uh, the message of the hour and God's grace and goodness. Sister Rachel, good to have you with us back today. It is uh, an understatement to say that the message has changed our lives, that the message has uh, proven to be very true and helped us to understand many things. That is obviously true. Would you agree? Amen. Don't be afraid to agree today. It is also true that when, when the light of, of the gospel comes into a person's life, it, it not only changes us and changes our thinking, but it also calls for certain things. It also requires certain things. And this is just built into the program. It's built into uh, God's way of doing things. And as we, as we look at this particular statement here in the beginning, uh, we find that some of the things that God actually requires of us are obvious. If, if we have somebody who is coming to church and still dealing with smoking, or if somebody's a woman preacher, or if, if somebody is, uh, you know, wants to do a certain type of television evangelism or something like that, uh, the, these things are obvious. We can see them and we can put our finger on certain things and, and identify them and deal with them. Because all of us came from different backgrounds and all of us came with certain baggage, you know, into the, into the place we are today. And uh, by God's grace, over time, God, God uh, you know, sanctifies those things away from us, if you like. And uh, we, we're thankful for that, right? We're thankful that we not what we, we're not what we were. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I am not what I was. If I was what I was, you would look at me quite differently today. And uh, if God didn't deal with my heart and bring, you know, constitute change in my heart and bring things about, I, things would be very different for us today. But God is in the process of forming character. And he's in the process of preparing you to live in another place. Not this place, but in another kingdom. And so therefore, we are being molded and shaped for a land we've never been to yet because that's where originally we came from. And so God knows all about that. And he, uh, he builds into the calling of his people uh, certain requirements and certain things. One of those things here, he says, is a complete separation. 
And, and look, at the, look at the screen here. God, Brother Branham said, God, as soon as he calls a man, he calls for a complete separation. And we think about Abraham and how God called him. And he said, immediately, separate, second paragraph, separate yourself from your kindred. He said, that's a big thing to do, wasn't it? That was a big thing. Because Abraham is now, uh, he's encountered a God who uh, he's heard about perhaps, but uh, not serving. But all of a sudden when God calls him, he says, uh, Abraham, uh, get thee out of thy country and thy kindred. Immediately I want you to follow me. And I want you to separate from everything you knew that was familiar. And I want you to sojourn in a land. And you've never walked this way before. Immediately, he says, you've never walked this way before. And I want you to separate yourself so you can walk with me among strange people, speaking a strange language. And you're to be a pilgrim and a sojourner. That's immediately what he says for Abraham to do. And so uh, God's obviously got a purpose for Abraham. He's not wasting any time in terms of beginning to accomplish that purpose. Uh, he he, he uh, wants Abraham to, uh, you know, recognize that this truly is God. Abraham agrees to follow God and God says, all right, let's go. And we're going to take you to another place, to another land. And this, this presence of God uh, begins to deal with Abraham along the journey. And you know many of the stories, and I'm not going to belabor that this morning. But God is, God is dealing with Abraham, and Abraham's, uh, Abraham's story is one of faith. He believes that whatever God tells him is true. And he, therefore, he embraces that and acts on that. He's, he's not reluctant to do that. And we refer to him as the father of the faith because that's what he did. He, he reacted to everything that God said. God said, go here, build an altar here, worship here, look up in the sky and, and believe the promise that I'm giving you. And everything that God said, Abraham embraced that. And, and he, he, he looked at that and said, well, if God says it, that's true. And then he came to the place where, uh, you know, God said to Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. Abraham said, all right, I believe it. We've never had a son, but we believe we're going to have a son. And we're going to call him Isaac. And Isaac's going to be the father of many nations. And this is something way beyond logic. It's way beyond uh, Sarah's ability and Abraham's ability to produce, but Abraham believes it anyway. And then when Isaac comes, as you know the story, then God says to Abraham, take Isaac up on the mountain and sacrifice him as a sacrifice unto me. Abraham says, sure. He's a man of faith, isn't he? He's a man of, of uh, he's got a, a constitution. He's got a, he's got a way about him to believe God and trust God in everything that he says. God's dealing with Abraham, but he has a certain way of, of speaking to Abraham. And we find in Genesis chapter 13, Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Now Abraham understands this one thing, that the God who's led me to where I am does not operate in an atmosphere of strife. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't operate that way, and he does not... Uh, he, he does not welcome an atmosphere of strife. But rather, Abraham says, because he's got this characteristic of God in him, he says, hey, uh, Lot, let's settle this, because we, we need to go forward. And going forward, we're going to have to make sure that we maintain and attract the presence of God, and strife is not going to make that happen. And if you've got strife in your heart, uh, you may find that you're, you're, you're attracting the presence of God a little less. And if you have strife in your heart, sometimes it's good for you to look at yourself and say, why is that strife there and what can I do about it? Lord, let me give it back to you or let me settle something between me and my brother or let me, let me resolve that because God is not welcome in an atmosphere of strife. Can you say amen? amen. 
And so this is the, this is the situation that, that Abraham finds himself in. And uh, he says, uh, Lot, uh, let, let's separate now. If we can't uh, get along here together, we're going to separate. You go to the left hand, you pick. And he says, I'll take the other uh, extreme. And that's what happens. We know that that goes on. Now, <clears throat> I believe that uh, in, in dealing with the bride of Christ, and all I want to do is just set a little stage here for you this morning. <clears throat> Some things I said are, are, are obvious to deal with. You know, if there's strife here between the herdsman and Lot, then you know what? Let's separate. We, we, can fi- we can identify that, and we can work on that and fix that. But there are some things that are a little harder to identify. There are some things that, if, if, if you give me permission this morning, they lay a little below the surface. They're a little harder to identify. But God sees them nonetheless. Someone who smokes, we, we could, I could deal with that. I could, I could talk to a person. But sometimes it takes a while for the Spirit of God to uncover certain things in our lives and in our midst. And when I say midst, I'm saying not only our church, but in the midst of the people of God. And I, I think it's okay for us to call ourselves the people of God today. Is that all right? I'm not trying to be proud or anything or uh, arrogant about that. I'm just saying that God has called us, and he's called us his bride. And I think it's all right for us to call ourselves the people of God. And, and I'm not just talking about the people of God here in this assembly. I'm talking about the people of God all around the world who have gathered together under the calling of this great message that we have in the last day. And, and there are things that sometimes are a little harder to identify, but nonetheless we need to become aware of them because when God uh, speaks to us or God reveals certain things, we always have a responsibility to act on those things. Isn't that true? The Word of God is pointless. It's pointless to preach it if the people refuse to apply it. We need to apply the Word of God. And, and remember this, that I, I've said to you before, I've asked you this question before, I believe that the Lord is coming not to fix everything, but to gather the people who have had everything fixed by the Word of God they've been enjoying before the rapture. Let me say it again. I don't believe that we should fall into the trap of believing that when God comes, He's going to sort everything out. I believe God's given us a word already that if we apply it, we'll sort everything out. I'm going to say that again because that's really good, Brother Barry. It's, it's easy to kind of put something, if I need to do something or I need to be something or I need to change something. It's easy to kind of feel like, well, God's going to come, he's going to take care of all that. He's going to do it. Hey, he's given us a word and we need to apply that word. And I believe God's going to take a people who have applied the word rather than people waiting for God to do something that he's already given us a word to do. And it's really important for us to think about that. Now, this, this universal presence of God is, is meant to minister directly to the, uh, to the bride of Christ. And uh, I, I'd like to say this morning that I don't think status matters a lick to God. Your status doesn't matter a lick to God. Neither does your income, neither does your level of education, neither does the color of your skin. None of that matters to God. That is not a factor. Our identity is formed by our faith not by our culture. Our identity is based on who we are, not where we came from, or not what we've achieved in life. Is that all right? Everybody says that. Everybody says amen to that. That's 
That's kind of obvious. So we're not biased. We say we're not prejudiced, and I'm not suggesting that we are. But God never wants us to miss who he is because of who we are. Let me say it again. God never wants us to miss who he is because of who we think we are. And we think, well, we're, the, we're, the, we're, the, we're HBT or we're, uh, we've been in the message a long time and we, we've kind of got a corner on things over here. Hey, let me tell you, God never wants us to miss who he is because of who we think we are. God always wants you to recognize who he is. And in the time that we're living in, I feel very strongly... In the time that we're living in, I believe that God is not just building a wall and stacking bricks and moving along in the same way uh, as he always has. I believe that God's turning a corner because I believe at some point we're going to turn a corner and that corner is going to be the last corner and he takes the bride home from that particular place, that position. And we as the people of God, we always had to be ready to turn a corner whenever God decides it's time to turn the corner. I appreciate your enthusiasm. This is a great sermon. I, I haven't found any bad sermons, but this one is especially great. I love it. Identify, the identified Christ of all ages. And he says, now, we're living in the days of all kinds of strange things, isms that's not scriptural. How many would agree? We're living in a day of all kinds of strange things. But, you know, in the days of Noah, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. Now, let me stop for a minute and just say this. I'd like, to, I'd like to probably, if I could, identify an ism. And, and there's an ism called easy believism. And easy, believe, easy believism uh, suggests that, well, you know, you don't really need to believe that God sent a prophet. And you don't need to believe the message of the, of the last day uh, in order to make it. I, 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 you can kind of be yourself. And you can be your own free spirit. And you can kind of believe what you want and add this and add that and something else and pretty much pick and choose what you want to have. I, I would suggest to you that's a dangerous doctrine to believe. Because if I understand it right, in the days of Noah, you had to be in the ark in order to be saved. You couldn't be outside saying what a great ark it was. And you know what? I, I, that's a great ark, but I've, you know what? We've got an ark over here. That would not have saved you in that day. I don't doubt that there was other boats in that day because as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in this day, right? There's all kinds of theories. Come on, there's all kinds of isms around today. But you know what? You had to be in Noah's ark before you got saved and you got spared for the judgment that struck the earth. You had to be in, not just looking in. You had to be in. You had to be inside, not just sympathetic with what was going on inside. You had to be inside. You had to make that step of faith and say, I believe judgment's imminent and I'm going to get inside this. I believe what Noah's saying. And I want to say this too, that, that Noah must have appeared to be somewhat old-fashioned after preaching the same thing for 120 years. And the people may have, you know, he may have started out with a pretty good-sized congregation, but the people might have said, some of them might have said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being critical, but some of them might have said, I mean, can we hear something else? And can't we, can we be like the other churches? And can we sing this and sing that? I mean, my goodness, Noah, how long are we going to stay with that? Let me tell you, when God gives a man of God like Noah a commission, he has to stay with that commission until that promise is fulfilled. He can't come along halfway and say, well, you know what, I think it's time for a change. Men of God don't do that. Men of God stay with the commission until the commission is, is fulfilled. Even if it takes 120 years. But you had to get in. 
And Brother Bram says, now, you know people perhaps built boats in those days, whether they were God-constructed or not, but they didn't float when the time came for them to float. Lots of people built boats, but it had to be God-constructed. Now, let me ask you a very simple question. How many of you believe that this message is God-constructed? How many of you believe that this message is designed to take us home? Its purpose, its intent is to take us home. And so therefore, to me, to me, and I want you to understand very clearly this morning, to me, I'm not going to stop preaching this until we are home. I, I need to give you a full, full warning, and, and that's, why, that's why I'm here. That's why Brother Wayne, I believe, invited me to come here, because uh, he at least recognized in me a person who preaches the message, and I want to reinstate that this morning. I want to reinforce that uh, today, that uh, I don't believe that it would be right or proper or appropriate or any kind of a help to you if I stop preaching or change, somehow change this message until your bodies change. I believe God raised up the ministry of the last day to minister this message and to minister the light that God has given to us until we get there and the promise is fulfilled. Anything short of that is a failure in my books. I said anything short of that is a failure in my books. <clears throat> but, but Brother Bram said when it came down to it, they didn't float. So he said, I like the message to be God-constructed. I like the message to be God-constructed, a scriptural message, and right there with it and everything with the scripture. He said, that's what I like. Because you know what? That worked. And in other words, God honored that. When the message was God-constructed and the, the, the truth came out in the days of Noah, uh, Brother Branham said, uh, everything with the scripture, he says, everything, everything right with that, everything stays right with that, God's going to fulfill what he promised in the first place. I believe that. And then he goes on to say in the next paragraph, and so he's saying that now about Noah's time because God was turning a corner, right? We're not going to carry on like we were for the last 2,000 years. Now we're going to turn a corner. God's going to do something drastically different. And he says, and we're, they were, but we're in a changing dispensation. We're changing now. Wake up. Wake up, everybody. We're changing now. And every change... Just like building a building. You come to the corner, you have to make that bend. It's strange. Now everybody wants to run down straight. He said, run straight on down. But he said, you just have one big wall. You'd have more people doing the same thing. But he says, we're building a building. And we've come to the corners. We're come to corners. And you've got to change. Uh, sorry, I'm just saying what the tape says. We've come to a corner, folks, and he says, you've got to change. I don't believe this is just for 1964. I believe as the bride of Christ, we had to be ready for change whenever God so designs. Whenever God so states it, I believe we had to be ready for a change. And he says, we come to these corners and you've got to change. And as Brother Don, as somebody in his church uh, had said, stated a lot long ago, he said that these changes is where the trouble comes. It's hard on the corner to make and to cut that corner and then to make it just right. Well, you need to have leadership when it comes to making these turns, right? You need, to, you need to make sure that you're under the guidance of a wise master builder when you come to that time and you turn those corners. Because uh, if not, you know what? Uh, you could be operating against God. What a shame. What a shame to be believing that you're in the right thing and you've heard the right message from the right prophet 
and yet you're, abs- you're somehow working against God. I don't want to be doing that. I, I, I've, I've paid too much of a price. You have some of your old veterans here. We, we've been at this a long time. I don't want to continue to do something that is contrary to God's program. Do you? I don't want to raise my family in an atmosphere where something's contrary to God. I, I sure don't. Hey, we've been, we've been at this too long. To me, to me, after this, the next thing is glory. The next thing is, is, is the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to be there. Uh, how about you? I want to be there. How about, how about you? I want to be there, folks. I want, to, I want to make it. And I think we all should say, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And are we, are we, and I'm just asking you without asking for a response, but I'm asking you this morning, are you ready to turn that corner, or are you ready to hear the truth that makes you a better person, or are you going to hear the truth and say, huh, who's Brother Barry to say that? I'm going to go off and start my own church. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. Now, let's take an example. All I want to do is give you little examples this morning of this whole idea. In Acts chapter 10, read this with me, okay? I don't have all the passages on the board. uh, So if you don't mind, uh, let's do the old-fashioned thing. Haul out your Bible and let's go to Acts chapter 10. This is really a great story. There's lots of lessons in here for us. Uh, I want you to just follow this with me. Now, in turning a corner, God realizes, and we realize, how, how tricky a thing that can be. Because all of a sudden now, God's doing something in a different direction. He's doing something in a different way. Don't be nervous. I'm not going to spring some funny, fuzzy doctrine or pull a buffalo out of a hat here this morning. I just want to talk to you about some things that are, we see in the scripture here. All right? Everybody okay? Just go like this. God met Moses at the burning bush. When God met Moses there and, and, and commissioned Moses, Moses said he couldn't do it. Remember that story? We've talked about it a little lately. God says, well, you know, Moses, hey. And Moses said, I don't think I could do this. I, I don't think I, I, look, I don't have a voice. I don't think I could. I just don't think, I mean, who, they're not going to believe me. God says, hey, well, look, what do, you, what do you got in your hand? I got a stick. Throw it down. Watch what I can do with it. Because God doesn't need great things to do great things, right? And so he says, throw it down. So Moses throws it down, and and it turns into a snake. Whoa. And then after Moses sees this, God says to Moses, pick it up. But what's interesting is that in Exodus 4 and 3, he said, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. Now, I'm not a snake guy. I don't like snakes. I don't like messing with them. I don't like discovering them. All of a sudden, um, <laughs> me and Chris were down on my land down here in, in uh, Bugle, and uh, we were moving some logs and things. And I said to him, because he's a Nebraska boy, and in Nebraska, no, no snake in their right mind is going to live out there. It's way too cold. So I was just saying to Brother, uh, Brother Sean, and I said, <laughs> did I just call you Chris? I was just keeping you on your guard. And I said to Brother Sean, I said, watch when we pick up these logs here and these poles. Watch because that's where snakes like to hang out. And so I don't like discovering them all of a sudden. But you know what God said to Moses in Exodus chapter 4-3? He said, Moses, he said, pick it up now by the tail. Now, I'm not a snake guy, but I know this much, that when you're going to pick up a snake, Brother Jeff, you don't pick it up by the tail, right? <laughs> you, you don't pick up that end because that frees up the working end. 
right? And so you don't pick up a snake by the tail. You pick it up another way. But when God told Moses to pick up that snake by the tail, you know what he was saying? Moses, you need to trust me completely. What you do now going forward is going to be based on trust, not on logic, doing things the right way. You pick it up by the vulnerable end and trust me when you pick it up. And the Bible says as soon as he picked it up by the tail, it turned back into a rod again. Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, I want you to send down to the uh, house of Simon the tanner down in Jaffa, and I want you to go down, and there's a man down there who's up on the roof. And I want you to ask for him. His name is Simon Peter. And I want you to ask him to come down. And when he comes, he will tell you what to do. Thy prayers, thine alms have been heard before God. And he says, I, I want you to know that I'm doing something here. So what he tells Cornelius. I'm doing something here. And so go send for Peter, and Peter's going to tell you the next thing to do. So Cornelius says, yea. Sends down, Peter comes down. Now, at the same time, Peter is up on the roof waiting for lunch, and the sheet comes down. Remember the story? We won't read it all because I think you're familiar with the story. And all of these animals are gathered in this sheet, and the voice says, rise, slay, and eat. Peter says, hey, ah, that, that, those are things that are uncommon. Those are things that are not good for me, and so I'm not going to do it. God does that three times to Peter. And says to him, rise, slay, and eat. Peter says, hey, no. And then God says to him, don't you call common what I've called good. Don't you call that common what I've called good. And you know what God is doing? And this whole chapter is about this principle of God actually turning a corner. God's turning a corner now. And he's telling Peter, but Peter's got a way. Listen, Peter's got a way of thinking about this. Let me ask you this. Is this after the upper room? Come on, folks. Is this after the upper room? Is Peter now considered a Christian? Yes. Is Peter in the message? Yes. But you know what he's doing? He's still calling things under the Jewish law common, and therefore he's not going to do that. You know what God's wanting to do? God's wanting to take that out of Peter. Let me show you how he does it. Watch now what he does. This is not, this is not the obvious thing. Now we're going just a little shade below the surface, if that's all right. And I want you to stay with me now as we do this. And, sorry, and down through, the, down through the passage here, let's go down to verse 17, if, if you don't mind here, uh, in, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 17. And the Bible says, now, Peter doubted in himself what this vision he had seen should mean. He's not, he's not sure about this, so he, he doubts within himself. But yet, nonetheless, as he's pondering on this, uh, Cornelius bangs on the door. His men bang on the door. Verse 28, and, and, and as Peter goes to Caesarea... And he confronts Cornelius and asks him, why did you call for me? Why did, you, why did you ask for me? And Cornelius tells him the story. He said, I didn't call for you. God told me to call for you and uh, sent an angel. And now Peter says, and he said unto them, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew. See how he's referring to himself? It's unlawful for a man who's a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. 
But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. This is the way things are. But now God is telling me something here. And therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, without doubt. And as soon as I was sent for, I, I, I asked, therefore, what intent did you send for me? When God, when God did this, he said, I, I can honestly tell you, I don't really understand fully what God was up to, but I came anyway. Now tell me what this is about. He, he doesn't know. He's not sure. And in verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth. And he's, he's looking at the people and he says, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. What a great understanding now Peter's got. Of a truth, of a truth, I, I, I see you people and I, I, I see how, how the Holy Spirit's dealing with you and how you people have actually received the Holy Spirit. And this is not another Holy Spirit. This is the same Holy Spirit that we got in the upper room. He, he actually admits this later on. And he says, this is that which, which God promised. And in every nation, in every nation, now he's, he's, he's forced now to think outside the box of just the Jewish people receiving this. And in verse 35, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Amen. I didn't do this. I, I didn't cause this. But now people in every nation here, People in every nation, whenever they, whenever they work righteousness and fear God, he said, now I can see that they're accepted with him. Read down through the, you can take time to read it all in verse 42. And he commanded us to preach unto the people. This is Peter now. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that he which is ordained of God to be the, was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. And to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believe on him shall never, uh, sorry, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. This is new. Hey, folks, this is new. Because before this, you had to fulfill the law. You had, you had to do things that the law required in order to be accepted of God. But now, Peter is admitting, he said, now he said that through his name, whosoever believeth in, in him shall see, receive remission of sins. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the words, and they of the circumcision which came with, uh, with sorry, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. They of the circumcision are Jews, aren't they? They're the boys that came with Peter. They're the bros who came along with Peter and they, they, they accompanied him. And they of the circumcision which, which believed, they were believers now in that early church, they were astonished and as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wow, they've got it. They've got exactly what we got in the upper room. This is not any different. This is, hey, they're acting the same way. They're responding the same way. Uh, you know what? But they're Gentiles. They're different. But you know what? They've got the same Holy Ghost. And, and Peter's, Peter's pretty amazed at this. And everybody who's with him is pretty amazed at this. And then, of course, you can give a, a, a believer the, the, the word test. And Peter does this in 47. Can any man forbid water that these should be, not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they, t look, and they prayed him to tarry certain days. 
Not a big deal unless you realize this is counterculture. Are you okay? You're following me. Here's a man now who is a Jew who is now invited to stay with Gentiles. And we want you to not only visit our house, but we want you to stay a while. We want you to stay a couple of days. Has ever anything like this ever happened in the Bible that you know of? Never has. But Peter is realizing something. Listen, that prejudice is swallowed up by truth. That my bias is swallowed up by the truth. The truth is they've got the same Holy Ghost that I have. The truth is they believe in Jesus Christ like I did. The truth is, is that the blood atones for all of us, not just the Jews. And they've got what I got. That makes us not like this, but like this. Anybody with me this morning? Peter says, how can I resist this? How can I argue against this? And they say, hey, stay a couple of days. And Peter actually says, okay, you guys can cook. I mean, there's food mentioned here. And you know what? The second best thing for any believer is to throw a church dinner, right? <laughs> and then Peter says, yeah. So they all pull in and they're, they're, they're staying in these Gentile, this Gentile home for a couple of days. Now, this is where you're supposed to say, whoa. Can I go a little farther? Because now we break into chapter 11. And in chapter 11 it says... And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea. What's the capital city in Judea? Jerusalem. Thank you, Brother Michael. Jerusalem. They heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision confronted him and said, Well, it's great you found new members. Read your Bible. Tell me what it says. They contended with him. You did what now? You, you, wait now, you did what? You actually, you thought it was an Airbnb and you stayed for a couple of days? You, Peter, the leader of the church, the man with the keys, you stayed in their home for two nights? Really? This is where you're supposed to say, Really? These people are not, they're not throwing up their hands and they're not, uh, you know, just doing a high five all around the church. They're saying, can you explain yourself? If you don't mind, can you tell us what actually is going on here? That you stayed in the home of a Gentile for a couple of days? Funny, isn't it? Are all these people in the message? Come on, let me ask you again. Are all these people in the message? Sure they are. Do they have the same Holy Ghost you have? You know what God's doing? God's turning a corner. But for everyone, it's not so easy to turn the corner. Because you know what we do? We hang on to our patterns. We hang on to our ways of thinking. And I will tell you something. Hanging on to your way of thinking today is not going to get your body changed. You're going to have to go with God. You're going to have to let the Spirit of God lead you. Can I go a little further? The apostles and the brethren, they're... They're contending. They're actually contending with Peter. 
Let me go on a little bit further. Peter says, well, hey, listen, I got to just give me a minute here. Let me tell you the story. Let me tell you the testimony. And it says, beginning at verse 4, they come all the way down and they begin. Peter tells a story and, and he says, then 16, then remembered I. The word of the Lord. This is what Jesus told us. Remember, John indeed baptized with water, but he shall be baptized. He shall baptize with the Holy Ghost. And so Peter says, now it's, it's coming together. Look at this. It's, it's actually clicking. It's coming together. This is what Jesus meant. Who knew Jesus knew what he was talking about? Who knew that Jesus was actually right? And, and he was right. Now he's here to baptize with the Holy Ghost. But here's what's, here's what's astounding. He's not just doing it to the Jews, the chosen people. He's not just doing it to the people who follow the law. But he's actually doing it to whosoever will believe on him. And the Bible says in verse 18 that when they heard these things, they held their peace. And they glorified God, saying, Then God has also, then hath God also uh, to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. That's the right response. That's what they should be doing. And they heard these things and they, they backed off on Peter. They didn't give him a hard time because they, they recognized that God is actually must be doing something here. And 19, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to None but the Jews only. You understand? These people are kind of stuck in this routine here. You know what? If we're going to go preach, we're just going to go preach to the Jews. Because after all, they're God's chosen people. You know what they had to do? They had to get out of that mindset of thinking they're the chosen people. You know who the chosen people are? The predestinated of God are the chosen people. Because God was going like this. Boom. It wasn't just Israel now. He was going... Can I say to you that I believe that among us, and I, I, I'm, just, I'm saying this very graciously here, and I'm not being critical at all. I don't want you to take it that way. But I'll tell you what, the moment we begin to think it's just us four and no more, God might do this. Amen. And you need to think that, you know what, because another church over there does this, and another church does that, and you know, uh, they, they have a preacher that does this or something else. You need, to be, you need to be kind of quick before you pull your gun out and shoot him on the spot, because God may actually just do this. And say, you know what, you're no more eternal than they are. Because a lot of times, we in the message especially, <clears throat> and again, even though I sound critical, I'm not being critical, we can be, <clears throat> we can be quick to categorize people. Yeah. We can be quick to put people in slots. We can be as legalistic as the next. And you know what? God is not intimidated by us. I got news for you. God's not intimidated by us. You know what God's looking for in us is a willing heart, a humble heart that says, Lord, if you're turning a corner, thank you. By the grace of God, you've included me in turning that corner. I don't want to be shook off. I want to go around that corner. Lord, give me the understanding. Give me the heart to see the, the voice of God. Give me, the, give me the passion to follow God, no matter where God goes and no matter what God does. Because uh, I, I believe that God is not intimidated by our culture. and God's not intimidated by our message culture. Just like he was not intimidated by the Jewish culture, the believers there. He was not intimidated by that and say, well, I got to walk carefully around the Jews. He didn't do that at all. He went right around them and said, he that believeth now shall be saved. In verse 20, and there were some of them, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, 
which when they were come to Antioch, spoke unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. So you got people going out and preaching to the Jews only. you got people over here going out to the Greeks. But the Bible says the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. They send Barnabas out. And Barnabas goes out in verse 26 that Barnabas stayed a whole year. <laughs> Backslider. Barnabas is a man of God. And, and he's, he's, he's sent to go out there. And, and he, he, is so, he is so impressed with these people, the Gentiles. And, uh, they've got the same Holy Ghost. And, and my goodness, he gets excited. And they ask him, hey, would you stay? Would you, would you give us the grounding things in the message and, and teach, us, teach us truth? We've got a lot of ideas. We've got a lot of things that we brought into this. But uh, we, we want to have the truth. We want to hear the truth. Would you stay? And, and, and stay a week, okay? And, and then stay a month. And then stay six months. And then stay a year. We don't know words, we don't want you to go. It's not you, Barnabas. It's what you're preaching that we want. It's not the personality of Barnabas. It's the truth is what we want. And I believe, saints of God, that's no different than us. Really, at the end of the day, it's the truth we want to have. Not some personality here or some church building here. It's the truth that we love. It's the truth that we embrace. It's the truth that we follow. Because God is revealed in He's revealed in his own word. And then it says when, when they're dedicated to truth and, and truth is being ministered, then it says in verse 27 down to 30 there, and it says, and there rose up among one of them, Agabus there, who prophesied of a famine coming and all the people uh, got together and supported the brethren who were involved in that famine. And you know what? It came to pass exactly as Agabus said. When truth prevails in the church, then you're going to see a corresponding freedom of the Holy Spirit to reveal things and to do things that you and I cannot predict or accomplish. When the churches eat up with jealousy and bitterness, and I said this, and we're on this team over here, and Brother Barry shook my hand, and he didn't shake your hand, and we have all of that kind of stuff going on, all the carnal pettiness going on, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is bound I said the Holy Spirit will be bound in a situation like that. But when truth prevails and truth is ministered and truth is set free among the people there, you watch what happens in that church. God can heal. God can deliver. God can save. God can do great things. He doesn't need a great big church. You know what? He needs an atmosphere where people believe the truth and embrace the truth. And they come to church to hear the truth. And they're not interested in who's who. And they're not interested in who's on top of the pile. There's none of that stuff. Let me tell you, that should be dying or dead in all of us because God's not building a wall. God is building a building, and we are a part of that building. Can I go just a shade farther? So let me fill in a few pieces. In Jerusalem, they said to Peter, hey, you're, you're hanging around with the Gentiles. And as a result of that, Peter says, well, you know what? You need to be baptized, but you also need to be circumcised. Because we're not sure we can completely disassociate ourselves with the law. And Peter actually requires the people not only to be baptized, but also to be circumcised. So we're kind of balancing both these balls in Galatians chapter 2, watch this. Paul says when Peter was come to Antioch, Paul's at Antioch. When Peter comes to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. 
For before that, certain came from James. Watch what he says now. For before that, before Peter said this, that you need to be circumcised, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles. Before these guys showed up from Jerusalem, Peter was quite happy to eat with the Gentiles and stay with them a couple of days. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. See the push and pull going on here? And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. You know what? When Peter pulled back, the people who were with him kind of said, well, you know, if Peter pulls back, we should too. And, they, and Peter actually withdraws from these people here who got the genuine Holy Ghost, the same one that he's got, and he pulls, pulls back from them. For 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, when I saw that Peter and the people who were with him walked not according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, because Peter had said this publicly, Paul says to, this, uh, to Peter in public, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? Whoa. You understand how bias gets in the way? You understand how the culture gets in the way? Are you following me, folks? God's turning a corner. And you know who knows what corner God's turning? And you know who's the wise master builder? It's Paul. I said, it's Paul. And Paul sees this contradiction here. He sees this. Wait now, Peter. You're, you're saying that if they, need, if they need to be baptized, they also need to be circumcised as well? And, and hey, well, why don't we do all the law? Because he that's guilty of one point in, in, in infringing the law, he's guilty of all. So therefore, we, why don't we go back and live as Jews and do everything that's required in the law? That's what he's asking him. We're either, we're either Jews or we're not. We're either under Jewish law or we're not. We're either now in the message or we're not. And I'm asking you this morning, same thing. We're either, hey, this message is either true or it's not. And if it's true, it's true today. Do you believe that? Come on, do you believe that? Young people, do you believe that it's true today? The same as what Brother Branham taught. Well, do you think it's okay now to come up with theories about why I can cut my hair if you're a lady? Do you think it's okay that all of a sudden we find, well, that was 50 years ago, and that was 60 years ago, and you know, Brother Bram said that, but you know what? Uh, We've moved on now. I got news for you. We stop, we stop practicing this message when you're at your seat in the marriage supper. Because a man of God does not cease to preach the truth and the commission God gives him until that commission is fulfilled. And this message was to bring you to the wedding supper. It was to change your body and bring you to the wedding supper. Therefore, we don't stop until we're all sitting at the wedding supper. And then you know what? Jesus takes over. I said Jesus takes over when that takes place. And that'll be all right. I'll lay, down my, I'll lay down my red face when Jesus takes over. But until then, I'm going to get red in, face believing, red in the face believing this message and preaching this message because you're still sitting in that old body right there in the pew. And some of you are falling asleep there. And I understand that. I mean, it's warm and everything else. But I'll tell you this. <clears throat> I'm going to bet the farm. And I'm not a betting man, but I'm going to bet the farm on this message is the one thing that's going to get us there. 
In the same way that Noah's Ark was the only way to escape judgment, I'm going to believe this message is going to get there. And I, for one, I, for one, have no right to change any of it to suit my purposes or to suit the to suit the culture of the message that has now kind of grown up and somehow or another a little being acting a little aloof from the standards of this message. Can I go a little further? Because I, I need you to think now this morning. You thought you were going to come and just have something laid on your lap and you just take it and put it in your pocket and go out. I need you to think today. I need you to think about what I'm saying. Because... Paul came to Peter and said, now look, it's either true or it's not. The message is right or not. What you got at the day of Pentecost was genuinely the Holy Spirit, right? It was, it was Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's now not Peter that lives, but Christ that lives in me, right? That's what, he's, that's what he's saying to Peter. And that spirit was promised to guide you into all truth. That spirit was promised to set you free and deliver you. That spirit was there to give you everything that you have need of in the hour that you're living in. Is that not right? And Peter couldn't deny that because he got that. He received that. And he could not now rightfully say to the Jews, you need this and that. It's either this or that. And Paul brings that to him, into his face. I say this, and I'm just saying this. I'm not saying it to you, but I'm saying this respectfully. Can someone come to you and say the same thing without you saying? And I'm not saying this to you. But to say, hey, you, can't, you have no right to say that. And I'm going to go start my own church. Or I'm going to go do this thing. And I'm going to go to another church. I'm going to do something else. To me, the right response of the bride is, let the word prevail. Because the word should swallow our bias. The word should swallow up our prejudices. The word should swallow up our attitudes when our attitudes are not correctly correct. It doesn't matter whether you're white. It doesn't matter whether you live in, in North America. It doesn't matter you're, whether you're at HBT. It doesn't matter uh, whether you're uh, in a poor country or anything else. Because it, it, it just, I'm telling you, it just doesn't matter. Because white is right when white agrees with the word. And black is beautiful when it's biblical. And we worship in spirit and in truth. And you apply the truth and he shows up. And when he shows up, he can solve problems that we can't solve. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? <clears throat> Paul writes a little later on, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. There is no difference. Say that with me. There is no difference. There's no difference. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all them that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For all whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord that shall be finished. Paul writes again in Galatians chapter 4, even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We who were under the law, redeemed, we were under the law of sin, we were under the law of uh, condemnation, right? We're under the law of, of the laws of humankind, all of that. But he came that he might redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Are we okay? Now, I want you to read what the Jewish Bible writes. Same verse. Skip down to verse 4. But when the appointed time arrived, God sent forth his son. This is called a complete Jewish Bible. 
He was born from a woman and born into a culture in which legalistic perversion of the Torah was the norm so that he might redeem those in subjection to this legalism and thus enable us to be made sons, God's sons. Don't tell me Jesus didn't encounter legalism in the church. But you know what he did? He came to die to redeem us from that legalism and the constant perversion of the Torah, the Word of God. Torah is the first five books. And he says that's why Jesus came, that he might redeem those who were subject to that legalism. I hate legalism. I don't know about you, but I hate legalism. And I hate I hate making somebody feel like if you line up with this, this, and this, and this, then you're going to be okay. Let me tell you, that's, I, I would preach that if that's what the Bible said, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that believers believe. And when they believe, they accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And he becomes Lord of their heart. And you know what? Then it's not you that lives, but Christ that lives in you. And I, I'd have to ask, if Christ lives in you, how can you say, well, I can cut my hair? Or how can you say if you're a woman, you're going to be a woman preacher? Or how can you say that, uh, you know, I can be married three or four times and, and uh, still be a pastor or something like that? Hey, if the Holy Spirit's in you, we have a question. We have a problem. Houston, Houston. Moses threw down his stick before the magicians and Pharaoh. And the magicians come and threw down their stick. And Moses never said, oh, well, he never said, oh, I was wrong. That's just a cheap magician trick. Maybe I was wrong. He didn't say that. But he knew. Moses knew he was positive that he had met God. And he stood still. Right there, he stood still. And let's say he had done exactly what God told him to do. Then stand still and watch the glory of God. Because Moses was tied to his absolute, his commission, and he stood still. John chapter 4. Turn in your Bible here with me. You've heard this thousands of times. Then cometh he. Verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. And his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat, five miles one way, five miles back. This is a 10-mile journey on foot. So basically, they're kind of gone all day. I, I, I just had to wonder, was this just a coincidence, or did Jesus need to do this by himself? I, I'm, I'm, I just kind of wonder. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan. 
You know what God's doing here? He's turning a corner. Because now we have two groups that don't mix. And I will tell you that they didn't mix since 772 B.C. That's when the split between Samaria and the Jews occurred. And there's no resolution to this split. And they've lived for years and years and years with this division among them. And so now it's kind of a given thing. You're over here, we're over here. How in the world can you say to me, how, how, can, you, how can you being a Jew ask me a Samaritan? This is not done. This is outside the box. And she's wondering about this. They have the conversation that follows after that, and you're familiar with, with that conversation. But in verse 19, after Jesus discerns the thoughts and intentions of her heart, stay with me. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I'm in verse 20 now. And our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. We've, we've, we've got a place of worship. And you've got a place of worship over here. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship not, not what ye know. Sorry, ye worship ye <clears throat> not what you know. What we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, I've got my Bible so marked up, that's why I'm having trouble here. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in Jerusalem. The Jews believed it was in Jerusalem. And yes, I can, I mean, we can easily find Bible for that. And the Samaritans said, hey, we have, a, we have another place. We worship God in this mountain over here. And we're... We're apart from Jerusalem, and that's where we worship. We feel like we're right over here. And the Jews are saying, well, we feel like we're right over here in Jerusalem. But Jesus says, no, for he says, the hour cometh. He says, and now is when a true worshiper shall worship the Father in not a place, but in a person. In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. When the Father sought you, he didn't say, pack your bags, you're going to Jerusalem. He didn't want to move us physically any place. But he said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so God is actually telling this woman at the well, God is actually saying to her, we are actually... (laughs) Sister, believe it or not, we're turning a corner. And as we turn this corner, <clears throat> we are going to worship now <clears throat> in a way that's different than your forefathers did. <clears throat> and even the Jewish people do. This is going to be different. And God's turning this corner and letting her know that now they that worship him now, going forward, now they that worship him are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to guide you. Where? Into all truth. And when truth comes, he'll swallow up all of those problems, all of those biases, all of those prejudices that we had. It's only, it's only in that atmosphere of truth does God actually break down those barriers between us. 
And I say to you that whether it's in this church or any other church, the only way that we ever get past our complexes and get past our hang-ups, get past our biases, get past our attitudes that are not compatible with Scripture, the only way we do that is to worship God in spirit and in truth and let truth swallow it up. And then the Bible goes on and says that when the woman at the well left and and she went and ran into the town and told the people, and and in verse 29, come see a man which just told me all of these things. Is not not this the Christ? And they went out to him. And, and they listened to him, and they said, wow, we, we have heard. We, we have heard this. I mean, this is just an amazing thing. And it says that in verse 40, so when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. Wow. Since 700 B.C., there's no interaction between the Jews and the Samaritans. But I'm here to tell you that truth is greater than the bias. Truth is greater than the prejudice. Truth can fix things a whole lot faster than politics can. Truth can fix things that that men can't. It's that atmosphere of spirit and truth that, that that God is looking for us to not only create, but to embrace and say, Lord, and you should pray this every time you come to church, Lord, Bring the truth and let the truth penetrate into my heart. Let the truth penetrate through my understanding of things. And whatever is not meant to be, Lord, swallow it up with your truth. Is that all right? Brother Branham says, she saw this Jew sitting here and said, it's funny that you Jew, that you, Jew would talk to me, a woman of Samaria. And he said, woman, I'm telling you that neither in Jerusalem, neither in this mountain, but God is a spirit and they that worship him. And she knew that sounded right. And if God is God of one, he's God of all his creation. Race, tribe, color had nothing to do with it. God made them all. And the color of the skin, their tradition, or their church membership had nothing to do with it. It's an honest heart that God's looking for. That's what makes us a glorious church. That's what makes us the bride of Christ. That's what makes us special in the eyes of God. It's not by how many services you've attended or how long uh, you've been following the message. Let me tell you, I, I, believe it's, it, I believe it's your willingness to embrace truth whenever truth comes across your path and to be able to uh, hold on to that and say, Lord, let the truth be preeminent. Let the truth overwhelm me. Let the truth come and clean out everything that doesn't belong. Let the truth change my mind. Let the truth come and penetrate the darkness of my own, even my own personality oh brother Barry it's easy to say that in church it's easy to say that uh, in this atmosphere right here but I will tell you what many times many times saints of God in our in our in the season in which we live in there's a lot of people that have uh, you know uh, in a sense we become uh, and I say this, I want to say this very carefully, but I want to say this very purposefully whether or not we sometimes realize we are affected by the culture around us and the culture around us uh, kind of makes everybody feel like I can do what I want. 
I, 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 you know, I got an idea. I'm going to do it. It might be, it might be shady. It might be contrary to the message. Or, but you know what? I feel led. And people, people put this uh, little caveat in front of what they want to do. I feel led. And so all of a sudden, we got to back off and say, okay, we'll, we'll tolerate everything you feel led to do. I'm sorry. I don't, feel, I don't feel led to embrace everything that people feel led to do. And even people in the message, because uh, there are some people in the message that need to go back and listen to the message itself. I said there's a lot of people who don't listen to the message these days because there's an overwhelming abundance of all kinds of other things to listen to. You can be quiet if you want to. But I believe that a lot of times your questions are already answered by listening to the message, not necessarily coming to me and have me get on your case. You, let me tell you, when you listen to the message, the Holy Spirit's able to get up in your grill and say, you know what? This is the way it is. And this is the way I told the prophet. And this is the way the prophet's saying it. And so when it comes down to me, I'm kind of third party in this. I'm, I'm, I'm down the road. I, I'm way down. And these are not my standards, folks. These are not my rules. This is not my boundaries that I've set. And I haven't come up with a way for us to act here in this church or, or whatever else. Hey, I believe the message of the hour. I hope you do too. But if I had to preach it just myself, my wife, my family, hey, so be it. I'll tell you what, I believe this message is right. And I believe it is the vehicle by which God chose to get us from here into the wedding supper. And I don't believe I have a right to change it. I don't believe you have a right to change it. I don't believe anybody has a right to change it. I believe what God is looking for in us. Not a better way to do God. I believe he's looking for a, a simply a humble heart that is willing to obey the word of God. I believe that's what he's looking for. Just, just a people that will say, yeah. you know what? Because to me, this message has never gone out of style. This message is for a believer. It's never gone out of fashion. It's never gone out of, uh, you know, it's never gone out of sync with God. Uh, just in the same way that God gives Moses a promise, sorry, God gives Abraham a promise years and years ago and says, your seed will sojourn in the land for 400 years and then with a mighty hand, I'll bring them out. Hey, we're talking 400 years, 400 years. And then God ignites the, a burning bush, and then sparks Moses, and Moses goes into action, and we bring that promise to pass. But they waited for 400 years for that to go. They had no right in that time to say, well, maybe God meant this, and maybe God meant that, and shave corners off it, and compromise it here and there. Hey, when we're wrong, we should say, Lord, I'm wrong. Forgive me for that, and let me find a place of repentance real quickly, and get right with God, because we have nowhere to shave edges off this message at all. You may call me old-fashioned, and I really am not bothered about what you call me. But if you don't mind, call me this, a believer in this message and a preacher of this message, because that's what I believe is going to get us there. That's what I believe should be our standard. Not Brother Barry's standard, not my family's standard or whatever else. I believe it should be the standard of the Word of God. And if I make a mistake, I should be quick to respond. If you make a mistake, you should be quick to respond as well. You should be uh, quick to say, Lord, forgive me for that. And help me, Lord, help me, Lord, to submit myself to your truth and let that swallow up the things that are incorrect. Let me let that swallow up and, and, and do away with the things that are uh, not connected with the Word of God. Now, let me tell you something. I don't believe that Peter was doing something evil in the house of Cornelius. I don't believe that Peter was an evil person. I believe that Peter will be there. I said, I believe that Peter will be there. But you understand, there's a culture out here. There's a culture out here that all of a sudden begins to put the pressure on him so that a prophet has to come to him and withstand him to his face and say, Peter, you have a following. You have a reputation. You have a person who Jesus said had the keys of the kingdom. And you know what? 
You made a statement publicly. Let me come along and tell you this. That this, is what the, this is what Jesus said. And this is what the, the scriptures teach. And we are justified by faith, not by circumcision. I said we're justified by faith. And he brings Peter back to the word. He doesn't bring the, Peter back to Paul. He doesn't say, Peter, listen, don't you say anything. Just let me say it. Can I go ahead and play with that a little bit? Paul doesn't say, look, just press play. Whatever I've said, just press play and you'll be all right. He doesn't say that. He said, Peter, what you want to do is stay with the word. That, that is true today. That is true for all of us. We're not parrots. We're not puppets here where we just press play. If that's the case, my goodness, Brother Branham would never would have encouraged us to continue on in church, but he did. And so, therefore, we, we have to do more than just press play. But I'll guarantee you, it wouldn't hurt for us as a people to press play probably a little more often. I'm just, I'm just saying that. Is that all right? Because your faith is sparked by your hearing. And you've got to be hearing the right thing. And I believe you've got to be hearing it from the right source. Not some admixture. Not something that gives me a warm, fuzzy, kumbaya, tree-hugging feeling. Hey, it's got to be solid, folks. It's got to be based on the Word. And sometimes the Word, like Paul did to Peter, sometimes the Word will get right up in your grill and say, you know what? You're thinking this way. But God's turning a corner. Paul doesn't say, Peter, you're going to miss it. He just says, God's turning a corner. Now, either we turn the corner or we stay on the, on the wall, one or the other. But this is what Jesus said. May God help us. I say this, may God help us as a church. To be able to not only turn the corner as God leads us around the corner, but to be able to handle it when the Holy Spirit gets up in your grill and says, you need to be a better steward. When the Holy Spirit says you need to treat your spouse better than what you're treating him. When the Holy Spirit says that you need to be responsible for your children. You, need, you, have, a, you have a job to do. You have a, you have a role to, to play. You have a part in this. And if you're a minister, you need to be the best minister you can. If you're a, a piano player, you need to be the best piano player you can. And if, you need to, if you're going to be a congregation member here, you need to be the best congregation member that you can possibly be here. And just believe the word, embrace the word, and trust the word, and trust God. You know what, it may sound real simple, but I'll tell you what, I still think it's the truth. And I still think that the message is still true. And to me, I I just, I mean, I I pray every time. I labor every time to come out here. And I, 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 to be honest with you, I prayed before I came out here today. And I just, I said, Lord, you know, I I said, uh, I'm not an overly spiritual person or anything like that. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not Superman with the, with the, with the preaching and so forth. But I believe this message. And I. Lord, just help me to be a faithful reflector of what you've laid upon my heart. And I'm going to close and leave you with this. I think, I think, and I'm speaking more personally than publicly, but I think many times we can struggle with stuff. And at the root of it all, a lot of it is simply because we have left our first love. It doesn't mean you've left the bride. It doesn't mean you've left God or anything else. But you know what your first love was? You, you couldn't wait to get in God's presence. And you couldn't wait to listen. Couldn't wait for a time to read your Bible. And, and, I, and listen, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just saying that things come. Pressures happen. Life happens. You've got to 
passel of kids and you got a, a job that's overwhelming and you got a schedule that's busting at the seams and, and you're, you're making decisions and choices and things happen that are not easy in life. And I, I get that, we get that, we all get that. We all do that. We all have the tattoos and the scars to prove it. We all, we all know what that's like. But in that process, you can actually move away from that first love where you get excited because he's near. And sometimes, sometimes, our prayer is not necessarily, Lord, put that fire out, fix that, untie that knot, do this, help my kids pick up their socks, and make my husband love me. And, do, and, and sometimes it's not all those specific prayers. Sometimes, you know what it is? It's, Lord, just rekindle that first love that I had with you. I want that back. I want, I want that. I, want, I don't want to let the busyness of my life. And sometimes the busyness of life comes because God has blessed your life. He's prospered you and blessed you. And, and some of you are, are, you know, super talented and gifted and intelligent. And you, you've moved ahead in your careers and jobs and all of that. And that's the blessing of God. That's the blessing of God. But you know what? Sometimes it, it doesn't hurt for us to stand back a little bit and say, but you know what, Lord? I, help me never to lose my first love. Help me to always. Help me to always. Be excited when you come near. And, and just, just to know that presence. And not miss it. Because he said he'd never leave us. And so, Lord, help me not to miss that when you come by. Because I've got a schedule and i got this and i got that. After church, we've got to go to the dinner and we've got to do something else. Not evil things. Not evil things. But you've got a schedule that won't quit. And you've got kids that don't stop. You got choices to do already tomorrow that you're thinking about. Yeah. Lord, help me not to miss it when you come by. Let's every musician slip up to the front here. Let's stand to our feet. Don't, don't go now. Stay with me. Is it all right if we worshiped him a little bit? Would that be all right? And just say, Lord, create in me a clean heart and, and renew a right spirit within me. Would that be all right if we sang that just a little bit this morning and and worship him. Would that be okay? <clears throat> Peter, it's such a great story, Cornelius, in, in Acts chapter 10. And Peter, he's, he's got that kind of a heart that he says, I can't go, but I'll go. And then when he gets there, he says, I can't deny it. I mean, this is it. I, this, the, the upper room has only been uh, eight chapters before. We're not talking about hundreds of years here. We're talking about eight chapters and, and you know what? I, I'm still, I'm, that's, that experience is still fresh enough with me that I know what you got is what I got. There's no difference between what I got and what you got. And Peter's not trying to be elitist and say, but you can't have what I got. <clears throat> Peter realized pretty quickly, this ain't up to me. This is up to God. This isn't up to me. This is up to God. And we in the, in the message community, and I say that with all respect, but in, in the message community, we have to be careful that we don't, don't become elitists that say, well, we're the bride and we don't, 
we, you know, we, we, we have a way of doing things and I can coast and I can do this and that. And I, you know, I don't need to ask the pastor and I don't need to consult. I don't need to pray. And we've been around a long time. We know the ropes. We've been to all the camps and we've got all the, uh, all of the, uh, uh, you know, the trappings of all of that stuff. We have all of that. So therefore it's okay. Listen, you never have a right to do wrong, but God has a way. God has a way. And it's always a good thing to follow his way. I think it's the key of C, created me, F, created me a clean heart. Sing it with me this morning. We'll go in a second, but if you don't mind, is it all right if we worship him? Just kind of forget about that. Just think about this. Just, just if you don't mind, you, you can close your eyes, lock out the people around you, and, and just say, Lord, if there's some way I could just come back a step towards that first love, let, let me do it, Lord. And, and let, me, let me just reach out to you. Create in me
so many voices, so many demands, Lord. But God, our heart says we want to give ourselves first to you. Oh, grant it, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us, I pray, to be sensitive to that voice. Make it your prayer this morning. Reach out to him now and just make it your prayer this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed Jesus, how we love you. Give myself away. Oh, I give myself
myself to you. Let's sing that again. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. Yes, I give myself. zealous about seeking God for it all. And you know what? That's our culture. Our culture provides so much. Our culture empowers women. Our culture empowers children. Our culture is a mess. Our culture is the reverse of Scripture. Don't say that the culture doesn't affect us. It affected them in the early church. And we live in a more powerful darkness than they did. Because now gross darkness covers the people. And the problem is a lot of times people can't see what the culture is actually doing to them. But the culture is a powerful thing. And there's nothing, there's nothing. Our sense of going to church, our sense of paying our tithes, our sense of, uh, you know, I need to be there, and Lord, I want to hear from you. It's not, it's not uh, Brother Barry or something, but our desperation, Lord, if, if we're at the end, if we're at the end, I need everything I, I can get because I'm still in this body. That's all you need to say. I, if I'm still in this body, I don't have it all. And Lord, I want to get what you have for me today. I want to get what you have for me in in the order you've set up. This is the channel. This is the way. And Lord, I want to get it. Sister Clark, this is what I I need to do. I, I don't know a whole lot, but I know that. I know I need to be where God's pouring himself out. I know I need to be where God's giving out what we have need of to go to the next level. Because you're not going to do it with this. You're going to do it by the grace of God. You're going to do it by hearing. You're going to do it by standing on holy ground. You're going to do it in a place where God is. And may we never lose that zeal to be where God is. May we never lose that zeal, Brother Wayne, to be where where God is. And and God is speaking. And God is, hey, it it may not be our favorite or it may not be our best or it may not be even our choice. But I'll tell you what, God has a place for every one of us. God has a spot for every one of us. He knows exactly what we have need of. We worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
if you don't mind, raise your hand if you'd like to say to the Lord Jesus. This is just between you and him. And just say, Lord, rekindle my first love. Heavenly Father, you look upon us, Lord, as a a needy people. Even though we live in a a great country, Lord, with great privileges and freedoms. And Lord, we've experienced great prosperity. Sometimes, Lord, that very blessing can, can distance us from our first love. And it can cause us, Lord, sometimes to be a little cold in terms of our first love. Lord, I just feel a burning in my heart. I feel a burden, Lord, and a passion just to say, Lord, I, 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 just, I just would so love to, to rekindle that first love in my heart. And Lord, just that thrill of, of, of hearing your word and being together with your people, Lord. And, and, and God, I, I thank you for the, for the busyness of life. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that we're able to do. But Lord, there's nothing that trumps the first love that we experience. There's nothing, Lord, nothing greater than just to be able to sit in your presence and and just to enjoy it so much. To be alone with God. To speak to you, Lord. To read the Word of God and just allow it to come alive. And and just stir us. I, I pray that that would happen. I pray that would happen in every heart. We want to be those that worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to be those that, Lord, when you, when you take your bride, we would be the people that would be identified with those two things, the spirit and truth. Let the truth swallow up everything that doesn't belong. Let the truth, Lord, let it just swallow up everything that is contrary to the word of God. And help us, Lord, I pray to make our stand firm and clear. We love you, Lord, today. We thank you for this little time we've had in your presence. And, Lord, I just pray you continue to speak to our hearts and draw us close to you. Forgive us, Lord, of how many things we put ahead of of you. Oh, Jesus, just have your way, Lord, we pray. And we'll give you thanks and praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. Never let me go.
to be in the house of the Lord. And I just trust you'll take something today and ponder on it. And may it be a blessing to you through the week. This Lord willing, we'll see you on Wednesday night. We're going to let you go this morning here. And we appreciate you being here and appreciate you adding your, your little lick of fire and uh, adding to uh, the service today. And it isn't just about the preacher and musicians. It's, it's about God's bride and what he wants for her. Let's sing as we go this morning. Wings of faith. Go ahead. Sing it as you go this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.